0: Frying pan. And into the fire. Run. <laughs> Run.
1: Welcome to episode five of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle Earth strategy battle game podcast looser than a wizard sleeve. My name's Stuart and I'm here with Dan and Sam, both here today. How's it going guys?
2: Uh, I wasn't expecting that one
3: Not a time to be drinking, no (laughs) (laughs) Oh my Wow Up the ante there, haven't we? Uh, (laughs) Where do we go from here apart from Uh, off a cliff?
1: Your minds, your minds, that's the problem there Nothing to do with what I've just said
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, you've just completely derailed us there Absolutely derailed (laughs) us (laughs)
2: So, so well. Good morning, uh, or afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: dear. Proving there that we are quite loose, I think. By the way, we've uh, started the show as a complete shambles. So, before we, um, before we go off on, on, on any weird tangents that we that will push the show past its rating, um, let's let's talk a little bit about what we have got coming up on the show. So many meetings. So Dan and I haven't done an awful lot since since we recorded a week ago, but we've got a little, a couple of little things to chat about. A little bit of news. Um, and then obviously Sam's back for the show, so we're going to um, give him a little bit of time to talk about what he's been up to, but also talk a little bit about his hobby plans for 2020. Um, I know he's eager to um, see how many boxes he, he can tick off this year on the on the hobby bingo himself, so we'll talk a bit about that. And then for the main segment for our Council of Elrond, we're going to talk about um, army painting. Um, we all paint in slightly different ways. Obviously, I paint for a living, so we've got different perspectives on it. But we're talk a little bit about how we approach painting a whole army, um, maybe a little bit about techniques used but you know right down to kind of um, how we plan it out and and what kind of approach we take so it should be hopefully an interesting conversation um, but we'll uh, see you the other side of this break
3: Incom gaming
2: the new center for tabletop wall gaming in gloucestershire visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs we stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the uk
3: market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit IncomGaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink.
1: And we're back for many meetings, so... Um... I think there's not been an awful lot happening in, in the... Has it even been a full seven days, Dan, since we recorded? I don't think it has, has it? It'll be seven days... Well, not two. since we
3: finished, anyway. <laughs>
1: no, it was quite a late one. Um, I think that might be tomorrow. So it's, um, yeah, less than a week. I think when you're hearing this, it will be just over a week for since the last show was out. give you a little bit of a breather and time to listen to the previous episode before we drop this one. But um, I think the only bit of news that's that sort of hit um, has been the, the pre-orders that are coming up this weekend as we speak what saturday the what will that be that'll be
3: 25th something
1: like 24th 25th 25th i yes. think so saturday the 25th on some, the 22nd.
3: yeah maths maths
1: if someone's using maths i I've, I've got my phone next to me my ipad my the calendar on my laptop all these things that i could use to look at the date no just guessing um so pre-orders coming up on the saturday there's some stuff returning um, remind me what that is, Dan, because I haven't got that off in front of me at the moment. What's, got what's the uh,
3: Mounted Three Hunters. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I do Serpent Riders are coming back, aren't they? Uh, we're doing the usual trying to get out of so dead do- air while we look it up quickly. we <laughs> <on the laughs> so
1: so- community. I, I couldn't remember, so I've just dropped you right in it. Um, and, uh, you
3: have indeed. Uh, I-, I do remember seeing, though, uh, the Three Hunters on horses, including yep. the uh, interesting repainting of Legolas that people have been commenting on in rather humorous fashion. <laughs> he, had a, he had a hard paper round between the, the first time he was released in this one. They <laughs> sure, uh, uh, got Serpent Riders. Oh, right. I feel like there's one more thing, but maybe there wasn't. It'll come private, to us.
2: As you whilst, whilst you're talking about that, I, I was talking to the the guys before we started recording and I was saying it's interesting that they're bringing the Legolas and Gimli model back because there's no actual rules for having Gimli on, but then Stew and Dan both mentioned that obviously you can take passengers, so it'd be intriguing to see how that model would work out in in an actual game. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Maybe that's something we need to work on.
1: Answers on a postcard and all that. Yeah, there might even be a scenario that that uses it. I'm not sure. I haven't haven't locked them all in. Mind. Um, Candish, um, Horseman, and Woses by the look of the picture.
3: Uh, that was it, the Wozes.
1: So things that the Wozes will be needed, obviously, for the for the War in Rohan um, scenarios and things. So that makes sense. But the, the, the biggest one, the most exciting for me anyway, um, is the Match Play Guide, um, which is going up for pre-order this weekend as well. So that will be something that I'll be pre-ordering. I think the last of my Christmas and birthday vouchers will be um, put towards that or spent on that because it looks like it might be quite cheap. We've obviously seen leaked US dollar prices, didn't we? But it was... Wasn't it really cheap, wasn't it? Wasn't it like
3: $18? $18 or something?
1: So that would make it... I don't know, I'm going to guess here. That it's going to be like fourteen ninety-nine, fourteen ninety-five, or something like that. Mm. Um, so it can't be too big. Not doesn't, doesn't surprise me. But um, is that store going to be hardback at that? I don't know. People who would have seen this at the New Year's Open Day will know. But I honestly don't know. We were having a little chat before we recorded, weren't we, about what, what formats it could be in. Is it like a little slip folder with just a couple of booklets in or something like that um be interesting to see but um yeah that'd be nice i I don't think i'd mind either way because if it's like an addition to the other book so this is like um this replaces your chapter almost in your your cool rule book and you've got your your scenarios in one little booklet and uh, that'll be fine i don't know we'll see i imagine it's just one quite thin hardback book um and the cost is there because it's only fifty pages or forty pages or something like that, which would be nice. Um if you got any thoughts on that or are we gonna are we just sort of sort of <laughs> going on over and over again about the same stuff.
2: Um I think it'd probably come out in the little card card pack actually.
1: It'd be nice. But so I've got my my um what they call a general's pack with the little little mm. little cards and I like those but obviously there's gonna be six new ones now. So it would be nice if they brought out the addition of those six new ones, maybe rather than a reprint of the whole pack. I don't know, but it's hard to see from the picture, but it just looks like a book, doesn't it? Um, yeah,
3: it looks like a softback, to be honest, the way the binding on the corner mm-hmm. looks. It doesn't have that ridge that you get on the edge of a hardback where they've reinforced the spine. So it may well be a uh
1: But a that's back. just a 3D image, isn't it? It's hard to tell from it. But yeah, I'd accept that that price, the price is going to be... I'd accept anything, to be honest with you. But um, hopefully, the um, I really like my little uh, little A5-style scenario rules that are in the generals packs. Hopefully, they release like a either an updated pack for that again, or reprint it again, or they're just like a little extra that you can buy the the extra scenarios and the doubles ones come in there as well because that would be that would be cool. Uh, I think the final thing that um that's that what is this isn't official again this is from from that little leak spreadsheet that goes that, that seems to do the rounds looks like the cards are coming back so it looks like they've got them reprinted um I can't remember which two or three sets are coming back first I think the magic cards are there and whichever two or three sets are out on that first round I think so that's good signs for anyone who missed out um that they've they've got them reprinted so quickly again none of that's official and because those bits haven't been announced. I think they're just on the pre-order, but... Sounds good. Um, are you thinking about getting them
3: this time around, Dan, or
1: still going to uh, stick with uh, not going for I don't it?
3: know. I don't know. It depends. Maybe. Because I was originally like, I'm not going to get any of them. But then uh, Mr. Harcourt Billingham broke me and said, I've got dwarves. Would you like dwarves? And I said, well, I might as well have dwarves. Who doesn't like dwarves. But we'll see if I do a complete set. Maybe. I don't want to deprive anyone, you know. <laughs> if they're having breakfast,
1: if anyone heard any whispering, that was my wife coming, relieving me from my ten-month-old baby I was holding at that point. So, uh, uh, <laughs> cool. So, um, we've had a few. That uh, you won't, you won't hear this. Listening to the show, we've had a few interruptions in the first sort of ten minutes of trying to record this show. Just childlike grizzle type interruptions. Um, right. Anyway, so this is very disjointed for us. My my brain's gone already. Um, so we talked about many news and things. So Dan, have you uh, have you done done any much hobbying or any anything
3: anything you've uh, been planning since we've last recorded? Well, um, I've had other things to paint, uh, so I haven't actually done any uh, hobby. But I have reached a decision uh, regarding my Throne of Skulls army, and I was. I was really up for doing the Ents, but uh, after trawling uh, the sort of alleyways of eBay, um, <laughs> I think the uh, the 9 All is achievable, and it's what I wanted to sure do. <laughs> <laughs> the alleyways of eBay, where the, uh, you know, less reputable individuals can sometimes play their trade at inflated
1: prices. Um, There's but, quite a few on there, isn't there? Like I said to you the other day, I was looking at them, and there were, there were a few about, and um if you kind of stay on it for you, you you're not going to need. You've got quite a lot of time to try and accrue them, haven't you? Um, so, should be a yeah, good, good enough time for you to sort of slowly pick them up bit by bit. Um, some are more expensive them than
3: others. With the foot ones as well. So um, you can get those anyway, can't
1: you? So you can almost start with those and try and see how many. I, I think when I the first time I looked, there were there were some, some as low as seven fifty each, and I think the most expensive ones are about the fifteen pound mark. I saw. I'm sure I saw three or four different sculpts. So hopefully they'll come up. But um, you've got to go for the the one the where your heart is. I suppose, haven't you? Uh, it makes sense yeah, that way. Um,
3: and as much as the ends are, you know, it's a good idea, and we um, we've got quite enamoured with the idea, and I <laughs> still I still like to do it. It's um, the nine that classic the nine ride out from Minas Morgul and all the, well, the doors open and the green light and they ride out and everyone gets very scary and there's an awful lot of music and yes, it's it's always stayed with me and I've always wanted to do it and uh, it doesn't hurt that um, there's a, a, a few bits and pieces kicking around online at the moment that people have been playing with uh, the Nine, which means <laughs> I can read up on it.
1: Yes, yeah, well hopefully, um, I saw it was Fail Charge Games, I, sh- yes, sent- I shared a link, didn't you? There wasn't much in it other than Tom saying that he's... He coming to, and- took them to an event so um yeah keep an eye on the on the channel hopefully he'll um do some so some chat if not just send him a message he's a really nice guy I chat to him a little bit um via message journeys. Uh, I'm sure he will uh, give you some tips um on the things to do and not to do with them but um I'm, so I'm I'm expecting from the from the board for these then a laser show when it shoots that laser into the sky that sounds like like thunder and then music as it as the gates
3: open Oh good grief. Um <laughs> not before going that far. <laughs> yeah, speaker, it's full
1: about. full speaker system. Um you'll be inside, you'll be fine, you're not gonna you're not gonna cause any damage with air traffic Get, and things. Caution ridder sorted
2: for the uh, dry ice as well, Dan.
3: <laughs> well, I actually have been considering um possibly casting bits out of clear resin and then lighting it up and but obviously when you paint bits, bits glow up from green underneath. Look, look amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crossed my mind, but.
2: Um, it looked pretty cool.
3: My mate, I, I uh, can Nick help is... you with
2: an idea. <laughs> okay. remember, do you remember the old Matchbox ferry port where you had the big shipping container that used to have that little oil you put into the top and it used to blow out the smoke? No, yeah. No. You just need about <laughs> 20 of those for your board, and then I'll you just have smoke the, coming out of it. Matchbox
1: the shipping container. Shipping easier. Yeah. Matchbox <laughs> shipping container. Really? What you mean, like toy car okay. match-
2: right. You you do what you're doing. I'm gonna look for it. This absolutely means this is radio <laughs> to everyone. I know. I'm else, just thinking. What well, you
1: must have had a really exciting childhood. What do you get for Christmas? Someone's got BMX. Someone's got. I you know. You. I'm trying to think of age. Right now, you'd have been. Someone's got a Nintendo. And you've gone. I've got. Um, I've got a matchbox shipping container, and I'm building Portsmouth
2: Harbour, and. Uh, no. When I say Matchbox, I mean like the car brand, as in like...
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know,
2: I know. Okay, not yeah. not as in like I've made a Matchbox shipping
1: no, container. No, no, I know what you mean by... I was expanding on the <laughs> fact that you might have Matchbox cars that are shipping containers. You might need a, a port to go with them. Definitely. Definitely. Hey, it'll all There's be part been stranger Anyway, they might, they'll all so be parked up on the motorway soon. Um, right, anyway, so, Yeah. <laughs> Not doing Ents. See, this show He's is loose. Cool. This show is loose. This is the loosest we've been, and uh, we're all kind of <laughs> some kind of holiday that's mode. The story around the the
2: uh, Cotswolds <laughs> Oh uh,
1: dear. So, um, so I'm I'm going to I'm going to talk now. I talk all the time anyway. Um, I'm going. You probably heard in the last show that I kept saying to Dan, "If you're not going to do your Ents idea, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it now." For, for Throne of skulls, I'm not going to do the defenders of Helmsteep. When we um when we were talking about an alternative idea for Dan when he didn't think he could get in the nine, and um, we were firing a couple of ideas across on on Facebook Messenger, and I said, "What about Ents?" and we kind of together came up with the the idea of doing a kind of the kind of the aftermath at Isengard with the the water everywhere and um and, and Pippin and Mary sitting there eating and smoking and floating chickens in water and stuff like that. So that was kind of the, the loose idea for the board and I kinda of fell in love with the idea but <laughs> then Dan was gonna do it and I was, I was thinking, Oh dear Um I uh, <laughs> I um I really want to do that, so uh, I'm going. I'm probably going to now. I'm like 99% sure I'm going to. I've already ordered a a tree beard from eBay. Got a bit of a bargain. The one that's going to need stripping, but um, yeah, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. But other than that, I've not done anything since we last recorded. Really, I think uh, apart from doing a little bit of admin behind the scenes for Flossman Jetson. Um, anyone who's going, who's listening, and you haven't um, registered on Tawny and given me the email address that you've registered on there, please do it. So I can get everyone on there, please. Um but other than that, let's give some time to Sam, because uh, Sam Sam wasn't around on the last show. So before we start going full on hobby bingo, Sam, what what have you been up to since we last spoke to you on the show? Uh I've I've been
2: massively dormant on the hobby front because personal life basically gonna be destroying parts of my home, which does entail my old office, which is now going to become a shell um, so I've sort of lost my painting station but I did manage to sit down and all bar basing finish off my um, fellowship army for Flotsam and Jetsam because I knew that if I could get that done then it was done ready so that I wouldn't be letting Dan down come March and they're really nice so I saw them not last night. I saw them
1: the night before last. So I recorded something for my other podcast with 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 Sam, and I went round to one of our friends' house, and you had had them there. And I've also seen mm. I've seen the pictures of them, um, but they're so much nicer in in uh, up close as well. Really, really, really nice. Really impressed with the with the, the tones you've got in there, and those. I really love those capes even more. So back to you. I just wanted to, just wanted to say how nice they were. They really, really are nice. Thank you.
2: Um, I thought what was quite funny was our our, our friend Tom basically said uh, to uh, to both of us. He said he could tell that I'd had painting lessons from Stu because <laughs> of the way that I did things, and I just laughed and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'd, I've noticed that." Because Tom is he got lessons from other ways of doing it, and it's uh, it's always funny to sort of see. And he says, "I can tell who does and doesn't paint in this particular way," and it was just funny for him to be <laughs> like, "I can tell that you got lessons from Stu."
1: <laughs> it's an interesting you picked it, I didn't it wasn't something that was immediately apparent to me to be honest with you um, it would stand out more if someone had painted a tank that I taught them how to do because it is I'm probably a lot more form, formulaic when it comes to that kind of thing but um, when you talked about it yeah, I could see the, the, the kind of the, the airbrush shading on highlighting you've done with before you've gone in with the with the, the glazes <laughs> and other things So, but we'll talk about that later, we'll talk about army painting um, so yes, back to you have so you've, you've pretty much got your army done isn't it it's all, all ready to go and with dan done as well you two are kind of
2: probably the first well people we didn't, to- i don't think I, I think we didn't want to let the side down I think it was our main concern <laughs>
1: well, you've not let the side down at all you're like ready two months early aren't you so
2: no I, I think that's why we're ready so early I, th- I think Dan and I spoke about it on Sunday we both said that we kind of didn't want to let the side down and be one of the people sort of getting ready the week before so it was like right I want to have this ready so I don't have to worry about it. As long
1: as you turn up with painting minis on the day you're not any one day I suppose but yeah it's good to see and I suppose you've both had a reasonably low model count which helps as well it's not, it's not like you were kind of Painting up a
2: Mordor army with with Fort Yorks or something like that, you'd, uh, you'd...
3: some lower than others.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. Going from a 100, um, 100 model army down to a six six model army was extremely pleasing. <laughs> is it even an army?
1: Yeah, I suppose it is. Uh, okay. Well, it's they, a look... Force. they
3: look force. This is a gathering. This <laughs> <laughs> is um...
1: a fellowship. Some of the fellowship,
3: half, two thirds.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Do still I mean? more than half. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm going to drag. Still only counts as one. <laughs> I'll drag this back then. Let's start asking you about your uh, your hobby. Because so you heard us talking about hobby bingo, and yes. going through talking about our plans. So, so. I mean, do you want to talk generally about what your plans are for the year? Do you want us to just kind of whiz through some of the boxes on there and uh, find out which of those you think you're going to do and then kind of build from there? Is that probably better? Um,
2: Yeah, cover the boxes on the bingo. And I think most of my plans, because I obviously didn't hear the show until it came out and I was driving back from an event that Dan and I went to at the weekend. And I listened to the podcast on the way home and I was sat there going oh yeah 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 and I got really excited listening to the hobby bingo part and I I think I said I texted you almost as soon as I pulled up when I got home and I was like oh I'm really excited to talk about the hobby bingo now so yeah yeah fire away with
1: that cool we had loads of fun doing it probably more fun than we thought we were going to and it's been
2: quite i, f- I <laughs> thought you were going to say probably more fun than when we usually sat with you
1: <laughs> well that was what i was going to say but i thought i couldn't say that that'd be horrible um so let's let's start with the let's, let's start with the boxes so the first one is are you going to watch the um the hobbit trilogy i think that's the first one it's pinned up miles away on my wall mm. so do you think you'll be uh-huh. watching the hobbit trilogy at some point this year
2: Almost definitely. I've I sort of I got a little bit into the the, the extended discs, uh, going through the in, uh, appendices, and yeah. um, oh, really enjoyed it. So I don't know if can, can you watch the appendices trilogy? Does that count?
1: <laughs> Probably not. But do it all. Cool. Do it. I've, I've watched those no so
2: many times. Mind. Absolutely,
1: especially in the years before the Hobbit ones came out. I can remember when I first bought the extended for the Lord of the Rings trilogy and working my way through those those things the first time i've ever done it on films actually i don't normally watch all the extras but they're very very good for anyone out there who's who's not done it so next box um i'm gonna go i'm gonna make some noise reaching up and grabbing this so i'm not keep looking up into the uh, the sky where i can't read this hang on one second
2: i've been fully prepared and it's all on my laptop right in front of me.
1: Well, it was fine a minute ago. and Then I went and got my son, and I turned the main light off in my office so he would maybe be go back to sleep again. And I couldn't; it's out of out of light. Right. Anyway, play a doubles game. You're going to do that, aren't
2: you? Unless you no-show know for the for my event. I, I think I think there's a strong chance that we're going to be playing a doubles game by the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: okay. Next thing is make a display board for one of your armies.
2: Yes, uh, I have intent to do it with two of them Mm -hmm. uh dan and i we've we've discussed little bits and bobs Mm -hmm. um, but i'd quite like to make a certain display board for our and jetsam army because i think the the theme that we kind of went for would work perfectly on a particular thing of a particular style of train that i really want to do
1: Mm -hmm.
2: okay Um, so my my intent is to sort of do uh, the display board for that and sort of see how it pans out but obviously I need to speak with Dan because I'm making it sound like I'm going to take over and do all of it <laughs> I'm
3: just going to send you more leaves aren't I don't you
2: both turn up with one and then you can fight to see which one you're going to
1: use no because Dan's taller than me <laughs> uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see what you come up with but I won't I won't quiz you on that because it might be something you want to keep to yourselves for now until, it's, until you've got it all planned out um, but um... I think I've only said it to Dan in passing, actually. So <laughs> Dan's very quiet now. He's thinking, what? "What? I haven't got this. I haven't got time
3: for this."
2: So maybe you know me to too the...
3: well. I'm just racking my brains, thinking. I know we've discussed. It. I just can't remember what was said.
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to discuss it. I don't. I don't think it's going to be anything super secret. If you're you're happy. It.
3: Yeah, that way you can catch me out on air, so I can't say no. <laughs> um,
2: so, so I said to Dan when we worked out that he was going to be doing Lothlórien and I was going to be doing the Fellowship, um, that what would be really cool is to have Dan's sort of army, sort of standing on the um, shore of Lothlórien, uh, and then I'd have um, the Fellowship in the boats, um, sort of going off, oh, which nice. could mean that I I might have to do the third boat and put Sam and Frodo in them. For the display, or just put my army that I'm actually taking in the boats. Um, but like the actual theme to our force, the way I looked at it, it was that, unbeknownst to the Fellowship, the Lothlorien guys are trying to help with the Uruk High, and Sam and Frodo aren't there because they're trying to cross the river. Yeah, that's yeah. why my force is the particular force that it is. Ah, and I, okay. I said to Dan, I'd quite like to do the like the my fellowship, my fellowship in the boat, and then Dan have his army sort of on the shore of Lothlorien. I think you look really cool, really cool. Works for me. Nice. A water cool.
1: effect, then.
3: <laughs> you heard it here first.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. that will be really cool. I'm, I'm hope no, hopefully I need... some other people will um, bring display boards and things as well. Maybe they will now. Maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll start something.
3: Yeah, just don't do a sigh and melt all of your bits and pieces with the resin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think. We'll see. <laughs> we might all be pouring clear resin this year, by the sounds of things. Sounds good. Um, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That will be. Uh, that will be. That will be. That will be good, and I'm sure it will go down really well at the event as well. Um, next thing. So play a game against an opponent you never have faced before. Well, you considering you've only played a couple of games of Sbg. If you don't achieve this one, then you probably won't have played any more games, which would be a bit weird. But all you've played yeah. all your games against me, which would be really really bad for you, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> Just all the dwarfs, I can't face it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that one of the games from Flotsam Jetson Jetsam will be at, at least a um, against people that we've never played against before. But I, equally, I'll I'll be happy to play. I, that was my question that I thought about. Does this obviously only mean um, in Middle Earth? Um, if I could I, play against someone like the uh, the Riddicks, I wouldn't worry too much if it's
1: someone you played against another system. Again, this we, Dan and I joked about this. There's no FAQ to this. This is only for a bit of fun, isn't it? I suppose. So, um, but um, I, I think need rules. T- I need guidelines. I think you'll tick this off anyway. To be honest with you, I think it. Yeah, I think it'll just naturally happen. Um, paint a monster or a siege engine.
2: I've bizarrely got one lined up I have got a um hai Ballista nice. sat at home Waiting to be painted Because uh, apparently we've got a really important um, Game coming up Somewhere down, down the line where You mm, might need that You yeah. need to show you a thing or two <laughs> I've, Castle, um, Castle Mattel or whatever it's called. <laughs> Castle Mattel.
1: <laughs> I think I was chatting to um Ben Stanley, so he's my um, my go to list person and um he's someone I'm gonna be doing something with later in the year that might be related to event running. But we'll we'll leave that there. But he's um if he can make it he's gonna join us that day. Um and he's got quite a large he's got about a thousand points worth of Isengard, so we can we can make this big game really, really big. Um, That takes the pressure off on me maybe having to uh, build and paint some Isengard as well. I'll still do it if I get time to, but I'm looking forward to that game. Just got to get that
2: castle built. Um,
1: Paint a model for an army you don't currently play.
2: Uh, I have got a drawer full of um, goodies that I have obtained from my secret horde. So uh, I actually, I, I was meant to send Dan um, a Deer model and um, I forgot about it. And then next thing I know, Dan had bought <laughs> uh, the majority of his stuff and I felt absolutely... T- no, he came with uh, Keleborn, Celeborn, uh-huh. didn't he, yeah. Dan?
3: Yes. yes. <laughs> uh,
2: so I've I've now got a Haldir model that I really want to paint. After seeing Dan paint his in the red, I really want to uh, yeah. give it a go and be paint nice mine in the red because those who don't know uh in terms of how I paint with my airbrush, trying not to go too much into it. I really love red and um I'd be quite intrigued to see how I can get on with that.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think I don't know. I'd probably go with traditional when I do mine just just because. And again, mm. so it's not the same, but I love the red. It looks really, really, really good. Um mm. what do we got to so what the Lord of the Rings yes. trilogy? That, yeah, it's gonna happen isn't <laughs> Already it? Already done. <laughs> you've done it as well. Oh, you've done it. Yeah, good man.
2: Good man. That's like my early New Year is watch
1: Lord of the Rings trilogy. Nice, so you you tick that off early. Um, enter a Middle Earth gaming event. Well, you've you're going to do that. That's pretty much straightforward, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Buy a model and paint it within forty eight hours of receiving it.
2: I funnily enough, I was in Stew's local gaming shop yesterday and almost picked up a model that I was very tempted to buy and paint and then I thought about this one and I thought I'm not going to be able to buy this and paint it over 48 hours, <laughs> deliberately didn't buy it because it's the only Middle Earth model that I can think of at the moment that I would need to buy and paint quickly You could
1: be painting um, now you're in a hotel room, you could be painting away as you're recording
2: I didn't bring any of my painting stuff with me because I didn't think I'd be painting or building anything
1: Yeah, that that, that, that kind of holds you back a little bit <laughs>
2: Yeah, man. I mean I could do it with Sharpies <laughs> I, suppose you can I can I can paint, hear the screams and the twitching from people. Paint it
1: badly to, to get your your tick in the box, then strip it and do it again. Yeah. Um so read The Hobbit or any book from Lord of the Rings trilogy.
2: Uh currently sporadically moving between The Hobbit and the first Witcher book at the moment. <laughs> so I'm on my way to doing that one.
1: It's <laughs> an interesting mix
2: between the two. Um, what's the Witcher it's book like? I Is it good? Oh, really? That's, that's, it? that's why I'm sporadically going between the two. <laughs> so The Witcher book is so good that I started reading it to sort of get myself to sleep. And it was so good that I woke myself completely up. <laughs> um, and that's a problem. So I've stopped reading it for a little bit and gone back to The Hobbit. So I'm currently reading that. <laughs> oh, dear me. Uh, uh, it's only a five on Amazon if anybody wants to buy it. It's really If it's on
1: Audible, I'll do it. I just... No, we will not going to make it it my reading habits. But, um, enter a model you've painted this year into a painting competition.
2: Um, so I'm not on the sort of level that Dan and Stu are in terms of I don't paint for competitions in the sense that I'm. It's not a pity party. I don't think I'm golden demon level painter. So I'm going to say that yes, but it will be at Stu's event. I'd put it into a painting competition in that sort of form. Is, is that okay? You can do. I'm not running a painting competition
1: other than the army one. So whether that counts or not, it's it intro model. Yeah, maybe it does.
2: That's what I count it as.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Like I suppose that can work, definitely. Um, Thanks. But, <laughs> there may be a painting competition at the other event we do mid-year as well, if that, if that happens this year. Um, so take part in a narrative campaign.
2: Uh, I would love to do the Narrative Shire campaign. Mm. Uh, you spoke—I can't remember if it was on the last episode or the previous one. We spoke. We spoke about how I think you said you'd use some of your um, Lake Town models as yeah. the ruffians. Yeah, I'm not going to go.
1: So I'd I, love to play it, but I'm not going to. I've got no desire to own any ruffians right now. If I had a lot of other stuff already, it'll be like quite way down on my list. But I'd like to play the games, and there's no reason why you can't use Lake Town militia no, to,
2: to play them. Personally, I think they're quite boring models. Like, mm-hmm. I love the the idea behind them, but in terms of like, a, out of all of the different evil armies, you, I, I think they're a very. And I think that's because they haven't really, ha- they didn't get any screen time. So I think that they're, they're quite a boring.
1: They just, they're just, just villagers, aren't they? Really, it's they're never going to be yeah. super, super exciting. Obviously, the new four job ones are really lovely sculpts, but they mm-hmm. only make up a couple of the heroes, don't they? Rather than. Rather than the kind of the bulk of the army, but uh, yeah, there'd be you know ultimately I'd love to be a position where I had models from every single faction in the game, but that's a long, many, 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 many years away, and um, right now it won't <laughs> be. But we'll, we'll if we can get together for an, to be honest with you, a lot of those, um, a lot of those scenarios are quite small. So mm. next time you know you've just been up in this area working and you have spent a couple of days with Tom, so when next time you're doing that, we can, I'm sure we can grab a night and maybe knock out a few of those, and we both tick yeah. that box off. The other thing is when we do the Helms Deep thing. I quite like mm-hmm. to do it so that maybe we do a little, a couple of a, a couple of small games that that maybe build into the big game, so we can also make it a uh, call that a narrative campaign as well. So we we'll have to have the Helms mm-hmm. Deep as a big thing, but maybe we'll um we'll just do a couple of mini games. Maybe if it's splitting off into little into pairs, doing little mini games, which give us bonuses or things, we can we'll we'll adapt the the main game slightly. Um, yeah, agreed. Okay, and then um, you probably the same as me and, and Dan on this one, but all your finished models are based. Um, we we kind of said yeah. that we're not
2: finished until it's based, but um, I think you're the same, aren't you? Yeah, completely agree.
1: Cool, cool, Although cool. Although I did
2: like Dan's Dan's comment about clear basing in the last episode. <laughs> I was like, he's right. I've never heard anyone talk about it. I, it's not, I just I,
1: I've never heard it talked about. You can debate it apart from heresy, but we won't get into
2: that again. Especially when you consider that it's the only gaming system that also has clear models, let alone
1: clear bases <laughs> Clear model and the clear base. That that could be a nightmare. You're trying to find that on a map.
2: Oh, can you imagine someone turning up and being like, I've got a f- uh, all my armies on clear bases uh, and I've got an invisible Frodo? <laughs> <laughs> and they've basically not got the model, but they're just basically trying to call you bluff buff. <laughs> it would be quite funny.
1: Oh dear me. Right, Dan, do you want to take over and ask him taking through the second half of this bingo list so it's not just me talking all the way through?
3: Yeah, home stretch. So, paint a new version of a model you already own.
2: Uh, one second, just quickly. I was on a different question then. Uh, the paint a new version, yes, that one is definitely achievable. So the model that I almost picked up uh, at Stu's local was the new Saruman model. Um, but yeah, I knew I couldn't get it done within forty-eight hours, so I decided to hold off until I knew I could do it.
3: Uh, and you rightfully caught me out. I have missed two, so I'm going to go back to those. Finish a good army of at least six hundred points.
2: Yes, uh, I have got a six hundred points. Uh, Rangers of Thillian army, uh, and technically, I think my fellowship counts as that army as well. So I think I've done it.
3: Nice, nice. Uh start if, if a not, new one. Rangers.
2: Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know. This is probably the hardest one for me to do because I don't necessarily need to start a new army.
3: You'll break. Uh, but have
2: you,
1: <laughs> technically, have I've... you actually started, apart from purchasing a few, because you bought a lot of stuff in bulk, didn't you? You've not actually mm. started painting or modelling anything to do with your Isengard, have you?
2: Yeah, I have. Yeah, oh, it's, okay. It's, it's, it's actually, that's probably my, after the Hobbits, that's my second army that's, like almost ready.
1: Uh, I see. I'm ashamed sh- to say. Don't be it's ashamed. Be that's cute. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I, if, I thought you just kind of bought on bulk and hadn't really started painting or doing anything with it. If you hadn't, then that, obviously that would that would count. Uh, I mean,
2: I, I think technically I could get away with my ranges of affiliate. And, I mean, if you really want to split hairs, because have all I've done is like primed it and put a base coat on it, and that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of course you can,
2: especially if it's not yeah, something you've been doing. <laughs> Well, it's it has literally been sat in the box since it was base coated.
3: Well, fair enough. Talking of interesting, sort of evil armies and a decent segue, finish an evil army of 600 points.
2: Yeah, uh, I've got my Isengard force, which is um, uh, definitely 600 points worth, and probably I've got a few little projects that I want to do for my own sa- like sanity, but I think uh, the Isengard army is definitely next up in terms of Middle Earth stuff.
3: Nice. Create cool scenic bases for one of your armies? Uh,
2: I I think I've done it. I I don't do the normal sort of flocking or just sanding of the bases. So for me, I do cool scenic bases, but possibly not as cool as other people's, but not as (laughs) bland as others, if that makes sense. So. My base is rock, is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh. Stop putting yourself down. <laughs> you On the uh,
3: Charlie Dimmock scale, how scenic are your bases?
2: <laughs> um, Bralus. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay to say, correct? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, dear. Have
3: to. <laughs> uh, build and paint a new model for one of your armies.
2: Dan's really regretting taking over.
3: Uh, I'm great logging in this evening
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, build and paint a new model for one of my armies uh, yeah completely feasible um, I've got uh, Aragorn the King that I really want to just paint because it's a really nice model uh, to go with my Gondor slash affiliate stuff so yeah I'm looking forward to doing that
3: nice play a game using an army you've never used before
2: completely doable uh in in march i believe i'll do it <laughs>
3: <laughs> seems a bit of a theme there yeah <laughs> build and paint a scenery kit uh
2: yes my plan is to do at least one hobbit hole this this year because it's a beautiful scenic k- kit and um it it's just gorgeous and i just love to do one because i feel like it would be a labour of love but completely worth doing Totally agree. I want to. I want to do one of the 4 job ones
1: just as a, a diorama piece, probably, because I'm not mm. going to be. I'm a long way off. Plainly shire, but that rosy cotton model's really cool as well. So I might well just go for a real kind of just a, a non y sort of civic scene or something like that. But I'll, I'll gaffer
3: in the garden or something.
1: Yeah, really. Yeah, something like that. Just, just be, just be a bit of fun doing it. But
3: backshot row.
1: I'll to do hmm. a whole lot. But yeah, I've got, I've got, I've <sighs> probably got a bit of, um, a bit of bit of time today in fact um talking of that there i talked about um beer clipper talked about andrew cox he's i haven't watched all of the video yet and i don't think he's finished it but he started working on doing bagshot row and doing the scene at the end of um um return of the king when uh when sam, sam returns Sam's, home yeah so he's doing that because his daughter's called rosie and he's doing it for her first birthday or something something so,
3: oh that's cute. It's, yeah,
1: it's cool. It's a really cool idea. So I'm looking forward to see seeing what he's done there when he's finished it off. But yeah, I might well do something not as big as he's doing. I think he's doing like a quite a big board with it on like the whole row. Um I might just paint one hobbit hole up but actually have a one one Rosie or someone or one of the one of the new four job ones I haven't got any real use for stuck stuck outside the door. Anyway, hijacking back to back to you, you, you
3: weren't thinking ahead, stu. You should have uh, named one of the children Helm Helm Hammerhand and built an entire <laughs> Helm Steep.
1: Or <laughs> <laughs> well, Harry likes to bash everything. That's all he does at the moment. Harry's at that stage where you give him two things, he just bashes them together. So that would have been quite handy. Helm Hammerhand would was have been it, quite
3: handy. was there a Harry the Hammer some from Hammer. like the sixties? <laughs>
1: Sounds like a, a, a sort of a East London um, crime uh, well, lord or something.
3: Wasn't that uh, Harry the Hatchet from actually, uh, yeah. Two Stock? No, <laughs> uh, Lockstock, sorry. Uh, two smoking barrels. Hopefully he's not okay. like that. Well, we should hope not. <laughs> this is a severe failure in parenting, I think, <laughs> there. Um, paint a model and incorporate a technique you haven't mastered.
2: Yes. Um, so actually the fellowship have used a lot of techniques that I've not used before um, and one of the main things is flesh and Dan and Stu's help with the flesh and our friend Tom's help with the bases and stuff have all been new things that I've not really done before I try and avoid doing flesh tones as much as I physically can so um, they look actually great. D- doing that was, sorry? They look great they're really good. Oh, thank you I'm Really. Um, so them. yeah, so I've, I've done that as a new thing, so
3: Good man Finish a model that's been in your to-do pile for over a year.
2: I think I hit my year in August. So I need a model that came with either the initial Hobbit stuff or that first big bundle of things I got. So it's completely doable. So I basically just need to hold off on certain until August <laughs> and I'll be okay. Like it. We were talking about this
1: the other night when we, whether we can manufacture Manufacture the tick in the box by buying something and deliberately not, not doing it. But hey, if it works, I reckon it'll naturally happen anyway. I just think it'll happen. There's no way you'll get through all of that stuff that you picked up from your from your friend
2: in a year. And there's so many individual models that I picked up because I picked up a massive handful of models that he didn't have boxes or cases or anything for. And I said, how much do you want for this? And he said, like, two quid. So I've got loads of just random models just sat there. Nice. So. I, I I'll probably wait for how and then I've completed it. <laughs> it's a good idea. Definitely. The more I can do in in two ticks rather than one the better.
3: <laughs> Recreate your favorite scene from the movies with a narrative scenario.
2: So obviously you were all talking about like the different scenes and stuff and I can't remember which one of you said it but Amon Hen is my favorite scene. And the fact that there's a narrative scenario for it fills me with joy, and the <laughs> fact that I've got all of the models to do the narrative scenario fills me with even more joy. So, I am um, when one of you wants to play it, I'll happily uh, yeah, yeah play I'll the Ammon Hand scene with you. I'll be up for that. We'll definitely have to plan
1: that in. We'll when we start, we we'll have to start talking logistics for the sort of later half of the year when we when we know when that Helms Deep going to be done. Maybe we. Make a um a long day of it and try and do and just fill it full of SPG gaming and do lots of scenarios and things. So that's the kind of thing you can do in the evening, isn't it? After a big game, just with beer and stuff and just talk and um doesn't really matter what the outcome is. It you're just trying to recreate it. And I think seen haven't seen it played on YouTube a couple of times. I think it's it's not really a challenging one to to get your head round. I think it's quite quite simple. I think you can get through it quite quickly as well. mm. I thought you were going to say your favourite scene was something like the um, Aragorn-Arwen dream love scene or something like that, and that you've recreated it already on your desk with two models.
2: (laughs) You're painting a very weird picture. (laughs) Deliberately,
3: deliberately. Smashing two models together going, kiss her, kiss her.
2: (laughs) Tell her you love her!
3: (laughs) You might not come back. Oh dear. <laughs> Over that all Smeagol and Sam potatoes. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm just gonna basically have the um what's the set that uh Faramir came in where it comes with the Smeagol the Sa- uh Sam captured captured by Gondor. Yeah and you've got the um I think it's Frodo where he's lying against a tree stump, just lying like right against like it just looks like a stroppy teenager, that model. <laughs> yeah. So yes, maybe that one needs to be done. Just recreate that scene. Just
1: just paint them and talk. Play the words out. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Just put on the voices.
3: That's a whole different podcast. That one. Okay. (laughs) Start a battle company.
2: Uh, I really want to do this, and the only reason I really want to do it is because I know that I've got the stuff to do it. (laughs) Um. So, I've I've basically got all the stuff to start i know i've comfortably got the stuff that no matter what i roll up for a hobbit battle company i've got anything for it so i'm completely happy to start playing battle companies even if it's like one game and
1: that will be something i mean dan and i talked about a little bit about this but that'll, again will be something to do if you're up in the area kind of thing and you pop round even we get tom doing that as well can't we um, hmm. Because it's like you played a game of Necromunda last night, didn't you? It's that kind of sort of style of game, so it should be easy enough to do. Um, yeah. And I quite like the idea of um, using your role play experience and maybe expanding on it a little bit, adding some bits. Um, sort of, totally. Because that could be really good fun as well. but hmm. Cool, cool. So we've we got through it all. I think you're going to do a lot. Um, I don't think it was... Any- well, maybe all of it, by the sounds of things. I don't think there was anything that you sort of said, I'm not going to do. You're probably more positive towards it than I was. There's a few things that I thought might be a challenge. So um,
2: I think you're going to be... I think Start a New Army is the only real challenging one, of- for me at least.
1: Yeah, yeah. you probably, by kind of painting the odd one model or two of each of the things you had, you... Uh- but you never know. You're not- you don't know what's going to come out this year, do you? Um, hmm. And you talked about if they do release any new models we don't know whether they're going to or not but if they happen to you you might be tempted into that and it's such a low model count thing that who knows you might for say plot it they nice models and buy them and then you've started a new army haven't you um there might be Let's something be else really that honest,
2: i just want to stomp around the table doing uh treebeard's voice that's all <laughs> i want to do <laughs> i'm sure that can be because approached. it would be amazing
1: uh, I think I think you'll you'll have a good go of this to be honest with you, I think we all and the, the, again, we take, it's a bit cheesy but the positive thing with all of this is it's we're excited about it, we're talking about our plans for the year those plans no doubt will change as as the year goes by, as things come out on, and uh, we, we change our mind about what armies we're going to do, and obviously I've already changed my mind for Throne of Skulls already, I'm still going to do the Defendants of Helm's Deep but that will be just part of my Rohan army now and built for our big Helm's Deep game, but um, so I'm not kind of I've just added another army probably to my list of things to do for the year now, but um, I think I like this hobby bingo. I think it's brilliant. I think it's a nice, nice bit of fun. It's something fun to aim for. Great idea. Absolutely right. So let's let's go for a break now, um, and then when we come back, we can talk all about army painting.
0: Lord Marshal, great, sir. Major reinforcements now visible on the left flank. Ah, about time. The wolves, I see. Uh, no, sir. Ultramarines, sir. But they're wearing grey, proclamator Fennec. Vox message said new recruits, sir. No time to paint armour. At least the Raven Guard are in black armour. Sorry, sir. That's more ultramarines. For Emperor's sake, box them and find out why. Also new armour, sir. Their eyelids are red and the bolt guns are silver. Three colours minimum, sir. What the... Get on the box now and tell them to contact Miniature Realm Studio. Miniature Realm Studio, sir? Yes, Fennec. Miniature Realm Studio offers a commissioned painting service, competitive rates, and a range of painting standards to suit most budgets and requirements. Yes, sir. I suppose they do say that fully painted is for closers. What does that even mean, Fennec? Uh I don't know, sir.
1: Miniature Realm Studio can be found on Facebook, on Twitter at Miniature Realms on instagram at miniature realm studio or just drop Stuart an email at miniature at gmail.com welcome back and uh, we, we've been we've been quite kind of uh, laid back and all over the place today i feel um it would be me that's got to edit it all together so we'll uh, hopefully we'll be a little bit better behaved for this end of the show um let's talk about army painting so we this is something we've had on a list of things that we wanted to talk about on the show for a while. Um, we just want a bit of an open discussion really talking about the approach that we each take um and then maybe some of the uh, some of that will cover technique a little bit as well so that will no doubt will definitely the way i will talk about it technique is part of the approach and the way i do things but um rather than me babbling on who wants to who wants to start us off dan do you want to kind of talk about how you approach painting, building and painting an army, what's your starting point? Is it like ordering them fr- from deciding which models to buy? How do, you, how do you normally go about it?
3: Well, I think the starting point for anything is going to be motivation. Obviously, I'd imagine 99%, because you can never account for everyone, people have, are picking an army and painting the army because because they like it for whatever reason, whether it's because... You know, I was asked this question today, actually, what do you like so much about the Iron Hills? And it ended up being, you know, uh, it's probably got the nicest sculpting range. It's, you know, it's it, they've got a very nice aesthetic. I love the martial sort of look of them. I love the movies. It's, you know, Billy Connolly on pig. All <laughs> these reasons, but you'll have, everyone have the different reasons for doing so. But beyond that motivation, it'll be for whatever reason you pick it at that point in time. So often when I'm coming to paint an army, I'm doing it for an event. Generally, most of my army building starts from purchasing a ticket to something. So certainly when I've painted for previous army system or previous game systems, um, notably heresy, I'll buy a ticket for something that's coming out in three months and go, right, new army. And then I'll buy it generally all in one whack and then spend the next two and a half months painting furiously and stressing. So I can't recommend my approach to everyone. <laughs> uh it you know it does work it means that you are driven it means you you do have an expectation you've um made an agreement to a, to a point with the uh, organizers of the event that you will turn up with a fully painted and based army so you don't want to let anyone down particularly if you're starting a new army um not just building on an existing one there's no fallback if you say i'm going to paint three new units for this army um that i already do if you don't do it you can always sub in other units, but if you're starting a brand new army, there's nowhere to run. If you run out of models, if you've not got everything painted in time, you're stuffed. So, and you don't really want to be that person who goes to the event organizer, you know, three days before, oh, I've not finished, or I'm going to have to change the army I'm using because I've not finished. Right, that's not me. I don't want to be that person. So, I mean, life gets in the way, fair enough, but I, I, would never want to be that person, so I do push myself quite hard to finish my armies, and it definitely does start with motivation. Which, aside from wanting to do the army, it comes from buying a ticket. That's usually where I start.
1: That makes sense, definitely. I think we all have different motivations for, for doing it. So instead of kind of that sort of got me thinking. So, so Sam, where do you normally start from then? So we talk. Right, if we break this down into sort of sections, then so. Dan starts with the, the motivation like he said is normally to do an event, what about yourself What, what what's your starting point for getting an army together before we start painting it
2: Mine's usually getting excited for a particular model or a particular thing or very recently it's been I've seen a model, I like the look of it and I want to just paint some of them uh, before it used to be very heavily weighted on what will I play um, and secondly and it's a very until I got an airbrush my primary way of deciding whether I was going to do an army was there a rattle can to do the base colour for it <laughs> if it didn't come so Space Wolves if it didn't come in the Fang I wouldn't have done them Um and the first army that I used to sort of do do against it was um, Alpha Legion, which anybody who plays Heresy knows it's a difficult army to sort of do without an airbrush if you're doing the standard sort of colour mm-hmm. and that sort of broke the way I looked at doing armies. Okay. Um, I am a simplistic painter in the sense that I like to get a big job lot of stuff done so the more stuff that is the same sort of colour or I can batch one strong colour amongst all of it, the better for me, hence why Uruk really good because it's all pretty much the same metallic colours and then you sort of block in any blacks, any flesh or anything like that that you need to
1: Yeah, so that's right Uh, and that's important, right, from the sort of motivation part for you, so one of the reasons you choose an army is because it's something that you can sit ticks one of those boxes that are the way you like to work,
2: basically yeah, can I batch paint it simply? Mm-hmm. Is my one of my biggest deciders. Uh, the fellowship. If it was a normal size army, I wouldn't have touched it because of all the different colours. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I can I can understand that one <laughs> from from painting big armies with, a, with that kind of miniature. Definitely. What, what about yourself? Um, probably across between the two of you, it's more so the motivation for me is more so that i like the models or the theme and i want to do that rather than for an event quite often those armies will then become something that's going to be used for an event um but they're not the reason why i picked the army in the first place so to speak they wouldn't be the initial thing i'll have definitely had an idea that i wanted to do it beforehand anyway um so for example the Ents, something that will be for throne of skulls because they're going to be for for a board but it's definitely something i wanted to cover at some point anyway they're probably the most targeted for an event army out of all of the middle earth ones that i'm doing or have planned um i i don't worry some I, I like to paint like you do sam as well i like to approach things like in a way that like, i can batch because i do massive batch paints and that's partly because of the way i work um but I, that won't stop me doing anything so, but I do. If, it, if there's a way of painting an army like that, it'll definitely help. But it, it definitely wouldn't be part of the motivation stage. you're definitely down to a like a set of models. I like some theme, and I really want to sort of tell a story or something. Um, yeah. Like Dan, I tend to do a bulk buy at the beginning. I very rarely just kind of randomly buy stuff and think, right, well, I'll make an army out of that. I usually try and work out what my first army will be, so when I talked about this in the first show, when I when I first decided to um, start the game and I chose Survivor Lake Town I messaged Jeremy from the Green Dragon and said, this is what I want to do give me some help with some initial lists and then when I got those lists back so I could work out the, the purchases for my initial lot, so I bought that in bulk um, and the same with Rohan, I've bought a fairly sizable chunk but i definitely worked out a couple of around 600 point lists that i knew that i could run from those purchases um so that, that, that those are my two sort of starting points really um so once you've you've got your models then so your, your first purchase and things where do you go from next from there down so the models are on your desk what's the next thing you do
3: well it depends on the army um my approach to painting um my middle earth stuff has been markedly different to the stuff I've previously painted, for instance, for Heresy, or when I did my Necromander Gang or uh, no, Titanicus I Titanicus I've not even bothered to try and finish. Um I think with some of it it was a case of um you know uh doing what excited me and then when I found out the painting Spearman with the Iron Hills was a little bit of a drag. Um, so look forward to that, Stu. Uh, <laughs> I rewarded myself with, i paint a big old chunk of stuff and then I'll paint a character and then I'll paint a little bit more basic stuff and I'll paint a character. Um, whereas with uh, Heresy, it was just, I'll do all the infantry. And just same method and just smash through the same stages on everything if I could or at the very minimum paint them on you know, uh, by large squad numbers or a couple of squads together or whatever else I was doing. Um, it, it depends entirely on the methods I'm using to paint things, how much airbrush I'm using. Now I've been working with new skills, either either oil washing. Yeah, sort of do up to certain stages at certain times. It, no two armies are the same. I think it depends on my overall enthusiasm level and how big the army is, how much time I've got. Cool, cool. About it's not you- really an answer, is it? <laughs> no, it is. It is. It, is.
1: It, is. it is. it is. Again, this is supposed to be, you know, a, a fairly loose, semi guided discussion. We're not, you know, we're not going to, uh, you're not going to get marked on your answers. Um, what about yourself, oh, Sam? <laughs> what about you? Well, you can't keep your, um, your laptop from playing programs in the middle of the podcast so no <laughs> so, <laughs> evidently you're, i'm you're, currently in the in the corner <laughs> and if i edit that bit out this bit sounds even weirder um so if you say what so the models have arrived on your desk then so what's your what's your next stage so you've talked a little bit about the way you like to paint and stuff but do you kind of start working all out into um how you're going to paint it in bulk like that or what, what do you normally do first
2: i, I tend to look at I know me sitting down and getting proper airbrush time is uh, a commodity sometimes. Sometimes I could do five nights in a row of just airbrush, 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 uh, and other times, but that's so rare. So I like to look at it and go, right, okay, I need to sit down and work out when is a day when I know I'm going to have a whole evening nonstop. Because once I start airbrushing, I don't want to stop until it's done. Yeah. Um. So I, I like to make sure that... So Uruks were a great example of it. I had this whole army that I knew at least get all that metal down because as soon as the metal was down, it was 75% of the army in in my eyes. And um, I had to sit there and go, well, if I have an hour, I'm going to be able to get the... all going well. My airbrush doesn't clog or like little problems pop up. I could probably get this done in about three hours um and that's probably mainly due to metallics being quite difficult so i have to sit there and plan and go right in order to get this the the most time-consuming part for me out of the way the part that i know that i might not be able to get back to for another two weeks if i can get that all done then the army goes really smoothly for me Uh but if i can't get that airbrushing part done I really struggle with the army. So I I almost wait for that perfect storm where I know I'm not going to be making dinner. I'm not going to be doing like work stuff. I'm not going to be doing previous engagements or anything like that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, similar, but for different reasons, probably. So um, obviously I paint. For I paint, four or five days a week for a living, and um, the most uh, time-effective ways of doing that is to do stuff in 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 bulk really. And I tend to work like that for my own private projects as well. Um, and and yes, but well, it's pretty mind-numbing repeating stuff over and over again for large large batches, especially when you've got Lake Town Militia for example, and you've got forty-eight of them to paint. Um, I I still find that my mentally I have to kind of do all of one colour a bit like you did so but I, t- I tend to start the project by obviously planning out all the bits um i build them often in chunks but if i if i'm building the inventory i like to build them quite a lot of time i can't just build one or two i have to build a whole set um so like you i like to give myself enough time to do it um and i tend to build the whole lot before i paint it i like to get it all built um i quite often base it as well um i don't paint everything on corks um some things like character models heroes I, I may well do but if there's no point to it I'll, I'll stick them on the bases if I can paint to them as part of the way I paint will be using a lot of shadow um, and using glazes and things I'll come on to that a bit later but that can work quite well when they're in situ on bases because you get your lighting right um, so I'll get it all planned out get it all built in most cases and primed and then like you I will plan out colors and where it's going to go and I will try and use the airbrush to put the, the largest color that a certain model's going to be down on it um, so if there's one that's predominantly blue clothing if that makes up 70% of the model then I'll be I'll try and do all the the blue airbrushing layers in the batch of models for that and then the next color and then the next color and so on and so on but um yeah. we'll, come out, we'll come back to that a little bit later I think we want to talk about the techniques we use but that's the kind of the initial stages to get them built and then think about really what colours going to be on which which ones are going to have which color am i going to put down first on the model like you do if there's if there's a lot of metal on the model like the iron hills you know i'm going to start with building up the metals on them rather than sort of start doing the straps or the faces or something that's just you know logic um so what about deciding a theme or something um dan how do you approach that
3: a lot of it comes from the, the fiction um or other media, obviously, um, Iron Hills very much came from the movie. Very much came, from, particularly the extended version of uh, Five Armies, just when they all march up and move in lockstep, and then you know they uh, drop the goats on people and fire the blisters at people, and watching huge plumes of elms elves flying out of their ranks when they just land. I just thought oh, armies cool as hell, and I did a lot of the. Um, color matching and looking at the, the wetter stuff. Yeah. yeah. They do the large scale models, um, representing Dane and they do the Iron Hills infantry as well. So I I used a lot of those photos and looked at how they've been painted on the website. Other examples of how people have painted them. Um, obviously I I saw how you painted yours. I quite liked the more neutral sort of earth tones you'd got on yours. Uh found those quite interesting. um, a lot of it is looking at the complementary palettes that go into the game you're playing. So if we we're talking about, say, Age of Sigmar or 40K, it's quite bright. Um, it's almost, um, almost a clashing colour. Yeah. It's almost like you're clashing your entire army off the board. Whereas Heresy has got a very gritty, very, very almost industrial mechanised World War Two look to it. A lot of heavy grime, a lot of um, chipping, a lot of advanced weathering techniques. It's, you know, it has its very own aesthetic. Even when a lot of the models are transferable between Body K and Heresy, yeah, yeah, there's a marked difference in how to paint them. And then Lord of the Rings is different again. It's a very, uh, it's, it's almost as if it's been filtered. It's mm-hmm. got that Hollywood filter to it. It's got a very, uh, it's it's not a classic uh, high fantasy. Palette range to it. It's it's very much all the fantasy tropes. You've got elves, you've got goblins, you've got dwarves, but it doesn't look like traditional high fantasy tropes, like you know the front of a Blind Guardian album or something. It's, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> it's um, um, it's high
1: fantasy meets um history, isn't it? It's got that kind of yeah. real feel to it. So it's what well, it's not gritty and dirty necessarily, like you mentioned, the Heresy would because it wouldn't work for all armies. But it's definitely got that kind of. That if you're looking at the Jackson's films the, the the idea was to make stuff feel like it could be found in a museum that it was a real world but just just in the ancient past um,
3: yeah so folklore meets you know history mm. you know, I always I, I do like that aesthetic and I think when you're you know obviously you don't have to people can paint whatever they want to do if you want orange goblins you go for it but I think it helps to look at the overall aesthetic that your game is, you know, painted in. The way yeah. the, the the overall look and feel, particularly when you are painting to take to events where you may have an eye on best painted or, you know, some kind of hobby award. It pays to be sympathetic to the overall aesthetic that the gaming community, regardless of whether the Games Workshop, for instance, decided that way, but the community paints in a certain way. It helps to be sympathetic to that because that's what people will be looking for, and I have to admit that does sway my opinion on how I paint things.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, um, and we talked about it before, haven't we? Was that is there a is there a palette to 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 strategy battle game in the way it's painted, and um, I think we've just been talking about that. I think the answer is yes, but it's probably heavily influenced by the films which is where the obviously where the the artwork and the imagery and the and the models come from because that's where the licensing in essentially is at visually um, and it and it, and it people are trying to recreate in most cases what they what they see on, on the on the big screen absolutely so what about yourself Sam how do you uh, approach theme <laughs>
2: I honestly guesswork it all. <laughs> so uh, that's a lie. That is, that is a lie. So I tend to have a certain color palette or a certain color. So metals uh, I me- mentioned earlier. Stu gave me lessons uh, for airbrushing, and I tend my go-to metal is always the metals that Stu taught me, and they may not necessarily always be the right metal for the situation. <laughs> Steels and irons and stuff like that. So the silver metals. I, I have a I have a particular colour palette that I do and depending on what the thing is, I do varying degrees of some of the colours. So I used exactly the same colours for my Uruk highs as I did for my uh Warriors of gond uh, Warriors of Minas Tirith. The difference is, is that the Uruk high got a lot more decayed metal at the bottom, whereas the uh Minas Tirith guys got barely any and then at the top of it the Uruk's got very very little of your uh, I can't remember what the top top colour is now uh, without having my paints behind me but they got very little of it whereas the Minas Tirith men got loads of it and yeah, it's sort metal. of like uh, sorry?
3: Heavy metal or speed metal, metal if you're metal. going really far
2: Is that the like the bluish milk, the milky blue one?
3: Uh, white, speed metal's white pretty much <laughs>
2: might be speed metal then.
3: I mean that's the all we'll white alchemy, which is pretty much white with a bits of glitter in it. I think you'd be on about <laughs> heavy metal.
2: It's something along those lines, but you get what I mean. Like I'm using the amounts the sort of the top and the bottom I'm different. Um, but when it comes to the, like the cloaks on the fellowship, it was guesswork. I basically went, I know that I want this sort of base colour. And then i want to work up to this and then it's sort of like working out that middle part which for me lessons previously had helped with i would never have uh sort of put mid-tones in that i do now now that i've had lessons especially from someone like stu who does his in in a particular way as well
1: yeah yeah that makes sense definitely
2: makes sense i feel like i'm babbling but no 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 no, there is method to the madness
0: I
3: think. I, I think we all sound a little bit like that, though, because how often do you really question what you begin to do instinctively? So trying to convey that to other people is very difficult.
2: And when I don't know how many listeners airbrush, I always feel like I'm an alchemist. like I feel like I'm something out of <laughs> like flubber. I feel like Robin Williams and Flubber when I'm like, Working out what I'm doing for a particular paint scheme for the first time, because I'm like, oh, and then I shake the the little airbrush pot and I go, mm, yeah, okay, I'm gonna put a little bit of this in the in the little uh, in the pot of my airbrush. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna put this in there. Oh, I'm gonna add a little bit of that in there. Oh, yeah, that looks good. And then you put it on and then you either go, ah, crap, or you go, yeah, that's what I'm after And it's just sort of like <laughs> then there's an it's explosion and you got soot try- on your face and your hairs all standing up. Oh yeah, and I'm suddenly really good at basketball as well. <laughs> if you haven't seen Flubby, you won't get
1: that. No, we're going off in different directions. I was thinking more of Hobbits in a tent. No, no, the big one, the big one. And you've got <laughs> and you've you, and you've Let's gone to get Flubber. another.
0: <laughs> oh dear,
2: um, I'm standing there with an exploded like two hundred pound airbrush. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get another one.
0: Oh dear.
1: Um, right. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've, got, we've gone off on the tangent again. Um, so for myself, um, it's probably a mix between looking at, um, I say, the film in terms of a, a starting point uh, for colour schemes and things when it comes to, to it comes to SPG anyway, um, and then see thinking about how that will translate onto the model, and not just going well that's the colour that it is in the. In the film, that's the colour it should be. If they're all too dull, I will look to push the contrast on things a little bit because while the the truest colour might be the most correct, it doesn't always stand out on the tabletop that much. So sometimes you, you can you can increase that range a little bit so that colour might become your mid tone rather than your your final finish. Um so it's very easy to kind of sort of paint in your or if you always pick like a military style, well they wore this green, paint them that colour flat. Well, that's the colour it should be um, yes yes, I suppose it's correct but you, you, I like to push it a little bit and try a little bit and my painting can be a little bit edging towards cartoony it's not cartoony like aos kind of um, cartoony but it can definitely be a bit sort of bright in some way so I try to do a bit of a mix in between so that's how I approach my colour schemes and, and, and again the theme will be generally based on film or um, book lore and i'll have a plan in my head i don't always write it down but i'll have a plan in my head when i start a project of what i want it to look like on the table so right from the overall tone and, and palette um and also the basing and things like that as well um mm-hmm. um so let's let's take it on i mentioned basing so let's talk about basing now then Dan. So what, what how do you decide your basing as or what stage do you decide that as at the beginning as well or what sort of what sort of thoughts go into choosing your basing scheme for your army?
3: It's usually floating around in my head. Um it's not always a hundred percent fully formed. Uh I usually know roughly what palette of colours I'd like them to be at least because it should contrast and uh complement the kind of the main model, it should not steal the limelight, but it should be part of the base, sort of part of the model as well. So I would look at, for instance, the colours for my own hills are very, very industrial, very metal, a lot based, mostly metals and, and leathers and browns. So I kind of wanted a softer, more natural looking colour for all of the bases. And I thought about uh, sort of the where they were in the films, where you saw them, I mean, just a bit of rocky outcrop is, you see it a lot, it works, it's, it's totally fine. I mean, I thought, what about when they finished having a bit of a ruck outside, at sort of the end of the battle outside of Dale? Chances are they're going to have helped with the mopping up operation if there's any orcs left in there, they're not going to have gone straight back into Erebor or another party when the poor villagers were all getting skewered by uh, orcs hiding in basements were they? They're going to go in there and get them sorted out so I thought that might be quite an interesting, nice way of basing them uh, so that definitely came into it um, as I've said before, I, uh, I hate hate making bases so uh, generation shift bases were barely even a consideration, it was just a case of yeah, I'm getting them but I, I paint them all separately as well. I'm I'm different to you in that. Um all my stuff gets put on, you know, corks. I actually use um big old foam pads. Uh-huh. So everything's sort of pinned onto that. So I've got sort of, you know, six or seven um centimetres worth of um paper clip hanging off it sometimes. It's sort all of gets stabbed into it. it looks <laughs> Quite macabre actually when it's all laid out. But um it it's works. good, though. I
1: do that sometimes. It really does depend on the army. There's no kind of set way that'll do it but if I can get away with sticking them on the bases I will do that's that again that's not using resin bases that I wouldn't work with those so much
3: but even if I'm painting individual models I uh I definitely keep them on paper clips and stuff anyway because uh I've actually become a bit of a, uh, a fan of um I've got one of the Rathcore grips yeah and the way that um retains the models as you paint them relies on essentially not being on a base yeah yeah So, And it definitely helps for me being able to get to the underside of models better because sometimes the base can just get in the way or when you're trying to paint it. I mean, some techniques, um, dry brushing, for instance, by its very nature, can be slightly um, inaccurate. And the last thing you want to do is spend ages highlighting parts of the model's feet and then just dragging a dry brush straight across it.
1: I totally agree. And I will have planned that out as part of the overall thing. So if I know the technique I'm going to use on the base is going to cause problems while um, with a painted miniature, I will definitely put them on corks or, or, or do it different ways. It really does depend on the project, but yeah, they're both, both, both good. If I can get away with it, I'll stick them on just because it's one less job.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's certain techniques, I mean, I know I keep referring back to heresy, but my, my imperial fists are all on marble bases. There would be no way of doing yeah, that while there's a model on top of it because you'd end up with some very odd... Patterns around the bull's feet for a start. I mean, let alone just the logistics of it otherwise. yeah, are so, choosing socks. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. All my hair is the armies are done, done, like that, done that way. I'm done on corks first. As um, I said, it sort of does depend on the project a little bit. Um, so, Sam, what about yourself then? Have you, um, you approached your
2: you uh, base? So, with mine, I thought. <laughs> I've been doing it like this for a while, but it really hit home why I did it like this with my Lord of the Rings stuff, because so much of the Lord of the Rings stuff is on slot bases, yeah. so they've got tabs on the bottom of them, and especially the Hobbits, who you try and cut those tabs off and then pin the feet. It's really difficult to do. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think when I first got them, I tried it on one and instantly went, nope. And then that sort of one went to the side and then I just did it the old-fashioned way of um, doing it on the base. Um, The contrast paints are extremely helpful, but the way I do my bases is I would love to buy some of the beautiful uh, resin ones like Dan does, uh, and I know there's plenty of really good companies out there. Uh, But what I do with mine is I get uh, polyfiller and I mix. There is a particular sand I use that you can buy in Wilkinson's, which is a uh, like a hardware slash um, shop, just like general shopping uh, place in the UK. And it's called impeccable bird sand. And it's one pound and it's this giant bag of loads of different grains of sand and pebbles and stuff like that. That are just, there's so many in there that it's really good for using it for like when you're doing modeling, because you don't have to mix loads of different uh sort of sizes together. So I mix that with the polyfiller, water it down just a little bit so it's easy to paint on, and then I use an old brush and I paint it on the base. Yeah, nice. And then uh, that's when I prime the model. And then what I'll do when I'm uh sort of painting it is I'll use my airbrush and I'll do like a quick highlight with like a, a red grey to bring it up. And then I use like a contrast paint to just sort of go over it uh, to sort of bring it to the color that's going to be at the bottom of that uh, painting style. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like Dan. I tried to get something that complements the model, but also something that wouldn't necessarily be uh, out of. It wouldn't be weird. So uh, with my fellowship, I know that they're going to be running through the forest. That I've sort of set it to an almond hen sort of settings. There's going to be leaves. There's going to be it's going to be greens and browns. So I did it in a brown, but I didn't want to do the same greens and browns that I'd used on the models already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So so I tried to use like slightly different ones to, so that it didn't look like it was the same thing.
1: Right. Okay. I suppose my approach is, um, it's changed a bit over the years. I very rarely do that kind of sort of sand and paint type of, um, technique that we used to see a few years ago. Um, i've used the same basing for all my middle earth armies so far because they're all in the same era i'll come back to that in a moment but my again my approach is at the beginning right from that kind of stage of choosing my um my theme um i'll work out what they want to look what sort of environment i want them to be in um but i use a mixture of things and i don't like i like bases to look as realistic as possible rather than a kind of like a dry brush sand or something like that. So I use a lot of different products, but it's also generally try to keep it as simple as possible. So the, the bases I've used for my my survivors of Lake Town and my Iron Hills and my um, um, Army of Thrall have all been sort of rocky muddy bases but with a bit of snow. And the reason I've gone for the same is because two of them I want to look like sort of battle of five armies and you think of ruined Dale and you've got that snow and bolt is sort of broken up stone and things. Um so I wanted the armies to look like they would fit in that environment but, but could also look good on multiple settings and then because I was using the Iron Hills as allies with the uh, Army of Thrall I put them on on the same basis, but because there's only limited patches of snow, they can, you know, it could quite easily be dwarven kind of rocky mountain sign anyway. But all I've done, I use a lot of plaster of Paris, but I will um, break it up into rocks. So if you buy uh-huh. um cheap plaster of Paris um, and then stick, sling it on a cheap baking tray, put some foil down first, pour it on there, so it's about a centimetre thick. Most of the plates, well, I tend to. And put it on the bonk a little bit, so one end of it's about a centimetre thick, the other end's sort of maybe half a centimetre. Wait for it to set, and then put it in a bag and just smash it to lots of little rocks. Um, and the good, the good thing about it is you can then get your modelling knife and carve it and make it smaller, so you can make these little rocks fit exactly where you want. Um, so I always have a big bag of those on the go. I use those a lot, and you can paint them up anywhere you want. So you can paint them up as. as chattered marble if you wanted to or you can make them look like natural rocks as well so really really versatile so i use those a lot and i put those on the bases and um, i left the bases um, clear i didn't put any any sand or anything on them um, and then i use little bits of vallejo products so vallejo do stuff called earth texture which is like a sand and paint mix but rather than giving it a full layer so you get that kind of finish that you then want to wash and dry brush i just put little bits on in different areas so its texture was built up um, and then they also do stuff called thick mud, which is like semi translucent paint so when you paint it on it when it dries it looks looks like it looks patchy um and then I use a lot of pigments powders as well so i'll put little patches of pigment powder in and what you end up with all you're doing is slapping stuff on um really really simple but what you end up with is something that looks closer to real ground you've got real different interest areas um and then you just stuck a couple of tufts on there put some uh, snow mixture and the bases look really cool and really different and but they're also really really easy Yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing I think anyone who even a novice painter that someone has started painting this week I could teach them how to do those bases because it's just a matter of using products um, so that's the approach I took for those but I'll always come up with a theme and come up with something different each time I do like to make my bases semi multi use if I can so I like them to look good in different environments so I might get a theme that works for both so when I do the Rohan um, I want. I'm going to put some grass tufts on those bases, but I'm also going to put a smattering of broken flagstones and things like that. So they'll look okay on a panor table, but if you've got your dismount standing at Helms Deep, and um, they look like they could be in that vicinity as well, because there's bits of grass and stuff growing through the ground outside. But then you could also stick them on the walls, and you look good. So I kind of like. While I like to have a theme, I'm also aware that, that you're not always going to play with those models on a on a particular tabletop. So. Um, mm-hmm. it's variable basically the thing's variable but i've i've kind of definitely used a lot of um lot of product on the base to make things easy and there's some really good stuff out there um and if we go to workshop or, or forge world well, they still do pigments or they stopped doing them now they brought them back didn't they mm-hmm.
3: I don't know if you of, still get them online, but you can definitely get them at um, World still.
1: So they're really good. If you have, people haven't used pigments before, there's lots of ways of doing it. I'm not going to go to that now, uh, but pigments are a really great way of getting texture because it's all about textures at the end of the day. Um, and they really, if you don't, when you, you with you, however you put them on, you'll get get quite a dry finish to them. Uh, so you can really create some textures, and that really helps the environment. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do with basing, trying to make it a little bit different each time. So. We're coming to the end of it now but let's talk a little bit about our painting techniques sam and i've already talked a little bit about, about airbrushing so how do you what sort of approach do you take to, to painting your uh, your middle earth models dad
3: uh I, I guess i'm still finding my groove with that if i'm honest um i, I use my airbrush too uh, a lot of the stuff with the iron hills was done with an airbrush particularly the metal the early stages uh, scale 75 metals for the most part I know a lot of people use the Vallejo ones they supposed to be very good, I haven't got around to doing that yet But I will try them at some point um, As much as I'm regularly mocked By various people for being Prestigious towards blacking things back out Again, I do do that It's the neat freak in me um, So I will go back in and everything that's not Supposed to be the main colour I've airbrushed I will black back out again So I get nice crisp lines on things Uh, I've come round to oil washing, Uh, that's that's come back in, and a lot of my work's just um, hairy brush, a lot of um, blending, glazing, um, highlights, not really had much opportunity to do uh, freehand on the Middle Earth stuff yet, I'm looking for options for doing that. I think um, there's a possibility of it in the future with uh, some of the other forces on on the horizon i definitely want to get into um expanding the nine at some point into mordor and all those big empty banners give me a lot of opportunity for things like that i think that could be quite cool sort of doing the, the language of mordor written across them and,
1: yeah absolutely
3: uh that, sort of that kind of thing um there's certain uh sort of painting hang-ups i said i'd get able to get to so turn my back on yeah i am Someone who quite likes to put in sort of quite defined highlights in what would be considered that classic sort of games workshop. Heavy metal, perhaps not with the same level of talent, but the heavy metal style. I do quite like a a nice crisp edge highlight on things where perhaps uh, natural light placement wouldn't favour one, but that's just, you know, something I'm working on uh, adapting my painting for new projects. You paint
1: very crispy and neatly and cleanly, definitely, and it and it works. I think it that can translate really well for um for the, the smaller scale the true scale that that Middle Earth models are, generally and, and definitely when you're doing things like your elves that, that almost need that kind of style of painting.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's done me okay for painting things like eyes, which uh <laughs> Yeah. You know, they're, they're so much smaller. Than other game systems, and I think so, I've, I've the only thing I've painted the smaller eyes than that is the tiny little models I've done for my brother yes. people things, but aside from that, I think that the smallest um where they're still definable obviously I painted a bit of epic and Warmaster back in the day, but I don't think anyone's painting the eyes on those um, <laughs> but where they're still actually um clearly defined, I think they're the smallest eyes I've really done
1: yeah so, makes sense. I might have attempted on some 15mm Napoleonics many, 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 many years ago, but yeah, I think you're probably right. What what about yourself then, Sam? You talked a little bit about the way you started using the airbrush and stuff like that. So what what, what sort of techniques do you use for your your army painting?
2: Uh, Mine is i identify the colours and I think the Hobbits are probably the exception to the rule because there's a lot of the same model because they don't have a lot of different models. What I tended to do was I was extremely fortunate that I got two big batches of hobbits in one go. Um, so I basically worked out all of the same models. So there's four different sheriffs, there's four different militia. So what I'd do is I'd put rows of different models so that there was like a row so of all the different models so I could basically go right these ones are going to be a light green these ones are going to be a light brown these ones are going to be a beige, these ones are going to be a grey so it meant that I could get all of the different models and sort of paint them particular colours whilst they didn't look the same
0: Yeah, and I think definitely.
2: that's probably the one of the few instances where I've had to really think about the colours of the same models rather than sort of spraying them all the same colour and then going in later yeah that makes sense um i i am lazy in the sense that i prefer doing things with an airbrush so i can get base colors down because i've i've knackered so many brushes trying to do base colors with a brush that for me it's not worth it so (laughs) I'll, i'll sit down and i'll get all those base colors in with the airbrush make my life easier and then i'll go in and uh do the little bits And contrast paints have been outstanding for that. All my hobbits would have taken so much longer if it wasn't for (laughs) that uh, cygol brown. Yeah, being able to go in and just go over all the on the sheriff's the sticks, uh, the archer's bows, and like just going over all those little bits, just quickly doing it all, and then using the paintbrush to sort of add in the little extra details to bring it back up to like looking like a normal model. Yeah, and that's been. Extremely handy, so I, I tend to do that. I get the base color down and then I'll go in and pick out little bits and bobs. I don't necessarily, um, uh, I, d- I don't sort of do the, the blacking out parts of the only because I'm lazy, but <laughs> I or I, I try to avoid it if I can, but I do, and um, but that's because I want to get them done,
1: yeah, which is fair enough, I and mean, it's a good method.
2: Yeah, I think we identified in a very early episode. I do it for speed, so I can play because I I enjoy the playing part, even if I don't get to always do it as often as I'd like.
1: Yeah, it makes sense, and I imagine the majority of gamers are looking to get something painted on the table. Um, they want to look nice, but I imagine if we were gonna have a massive survey of all SVG players, that there would be more people that wanted stuff to play than the wanted stuff to be painting was their main part of the hobby i think playing will be most people's main part of the hobby Um, i mean i'm very similar to you in a a lot of ways but um, what i'll look to do as i said i'll choose my colors but what i'll look to do is is yeah paint stuff in batches and by color so group stuff up potentially like you do what i'm trying to do is save as much time as possible and that's where the work bit comes into it and i hate repeating stages i'm really weird like that yes you should just paint a couple of models and go back and repeat them again but i hate doing it so if i've got a 100 models in an army that all need a certain blue put on them i want to do it all in one go i want to use the air, work through it with the airbrush that day and and just do it all because i hate going back and then having finished a model get new models and start again i'm never going to buy another box of 12 late town militia if i want need more militia i will buy lake town garden and, and paint those because at least they're slightly different I, I couldn't bring myself to paint lake town militia again and try and redo the paint schemes i've done even though i've noted down all the colour mixes and things i just can't motivate myself to go back and redo things that i've already finished that's why i find it so hard to paint this, that unit of, of 12 um iron heels, spears having done some already and finished it and done other things so i do struggle to go back to stuff so that's one another reason i like to do big batches but apart from the big batch side of things i use an airbrush for everything i do um it's a big time-saving thing i don't want anyone to listen to this podcast though and hear us all talking about airbrush and thinking that we, we we don't you know there was many ways to paint we just we happen to all use them for whatever reason um i like to use the airbrush to put a lot of contrast in to start with um in big areas so i'm putting um i I tend to start dark and work my way up Mm -hmm. um but if i again i'll use an example so it's the same on the late town malicious the same on the the warriors of Erebor that i did for my army of thrall the ones with the cloth i'm looking at earthy tones there but i may well start from a black and i'm moving up through five different shades on a on a kind of a, say a beigey yellowy frock coat or something like that and i'll get quite yeah. high with the highlight and i'm trying to do as much as i can with the airbrush i'll get all those base layers down and then i will go back and i will use a lot of glazes and washes to add shade and shadow back in and to to tone those transitions down again and then at the end i will go in with the the hairy brush as well and then pick out final highlights and add in little bits of detail but i'm trying to do sort of 70 percent of the work there with the airbrush really build those contrast in rather than just put a flat color down and then shade then highlight i'm trying to put some transitions in there just like I would on the side of a tank. Um because it, it really creates contrast in your army, helps it pop on the on the table, I believe anyway, it's just an opinion. Um no, I, and it I agree. saves loads of time as well. Um and I will there's lots of nearly all the projects I've got coming up will have that kind of technique of doing that with the airbrush. Um, almost having deliberate overspray sometimes because the overspray you can use to um, kind of create shadow. So I talked about this before. I've, I've got this plan of doing a doing a um, goblin town army in in a day or something. I'll try and do most of it, and I will use all flesh shades on um, through the airbrush. And I'll st- probably start with a, um, a a black prime. I may do a very light pre-shade or pre-highlight with with a white dusting over the top but then i'm going to get something like the scale 75 paint set but you can do this with any any paint set really that's flesh start with dark and they almost have like a reddish purples and then you've got kind of a a dull dark fresh flesh tone And just keep building them up but almost top down so you're building this highlight up um and then in the very top areas maybe almost white And then I'm going to take a very thin down contrast paints and then glaze over to tie them back in and put some shade in, add some colour in, and it'll create a really, really cool effect. Um, So I'm going to use that kind of technique. So I'm trying to do a lot of work with the airbrush. It takes a little bit of time, especially when they're small models, to get the control enough to be able to aim just on a back of a leg or on a thigh or something with an airbrush or just on the top of a head so you're not blasting the whole model it's not wouldn't be the first thing i'd recommend doing if you just picked up an airbrush but once you get the hang of doing that you really can save an awful lot of time so that's my my kind of my general approach and then my um my characters in here as well so you get a lot more time um, with the highlights and things but we'll we'll go into well, no doubt we'll have other painting discussion topics on the podcast in the future but that's my sort of my general approach to army painting is to try and do as much work with the airbrush as I can as possible and do big batches and and plan it out well in advance um so I think we're coming towards a natural conclusion here is it? so have you got anything else you want to say either? have you got any sort of tips any final bits anything that you haven't mentioned
3: Dan um Well, I think uh, the biggest thing to remember is obviously do what works for you and for whatever reasons you're doing them for. Um, Obviously, a lot of people, as you said, do it to game. Me, painting is probably more like 60% of the hobby is to me. I I enjoy gaming, but I mainly paint as part of it's the collector gene that uh, Games Workshop fully managed to get. (laughs) They're hooking to me for that one, and part of it is just something to do is de-stress etc artistic outlet i think is also is to be honest with yourself about what you're doing it for what you're hoping to achieve and how long you've got to do it um if you've got the time to spend to do things lavishly then by all means but if you're going to stress yourself out because you're running short on time to get it done for a, a particular deadline then perhaps you need to consider you know the how much time you've got and what you're planning on doing. And if you can't do it, then perhaps don't. <laughs> there's, there's always the option of don't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
3: I think uh, it, it, we should always be enjoying this. Some people view, uh, you know, painting as an obstacle to gaming, but since the advent of Contrast, and again, I've, I've used his example previously, um Ben in, in Peterborough, Ben Taylor, he's traditionally been someone who's not really enjoyed painting. He's done it grudgingly in order to have a fully painted army to get on the board and he's he's loving it now. Contrast has made a massive difference. He's been flying through his stuff so, you know, there's something for everyone. Just because, you know, we talk about airbrushes, as you said, doesn't mean you have to go that, to do that. I mean, rattle can on that contrast uh, primer and using those colours and get your armies on the board and enjoy yourself.
1: Yeah, there's always ways of achieving very similar things without, without having to buy expensive kit to start with. And contrast is really good really good i've i'm not using it sort of out the pot like um you might you might see in the kind of the the duncan videos in the the most basic way of using it there's nothing wrong with that i've not used it in that way it doesn't quite suit my style to do that but i'm definitely using them the way i've used the washes and the the the, the glazes that have been around for a while and i'm thinning them and using them using them as glazes and and i a bit like sam with picking out the odd little bit so he's picking out bits of wood it works really well on wood and belt straps and things like that there's ways of of pre-shading that if you dry brush over a a belt strap or something like that and then you use cycle brown or wildwood or something like that over the top of it you you'll be surprised how much it looks like leather with worn bits at the top and bottom and a very very small model and uh, you you, you'll find you're saving a lot of time by doing that but what about yourself anyway sam any final tips and and things
2: Mine's, mine's just more of like a the the thing i uh, that really puts me off with painting is if i've got something that's got a lot of different colors um mm-hmm. and i and i think contrast paints have massively helped with that since they've come out they've they, the hobbits were the prime example they they allow me to do that sort of thing and then also going back to the what like what you're saying about the airbrush we don't necessarily need airbrushes we i'm using them to make my life easier but I've, use them because they are genuinely amazingly skilled with them and then likewise i know people who literally just use them for a base coat and then that's it and it's more of like an advocate for airbrushing you don't have to buy super expensive ones to do the job i spent three years no, probably two actually with one of the ones just straight off amazon that were really cheap and it did me fine and the only reason i got a new airbrush was because i won one on an instagram competition so you don't <laughs> have to have a super expensive airbrush to do this sort of thing no you don't there's some there's some really good style ones around if anyone talking a lot about interested. how great an airbrush was <laughs> it's not necessarily an easy thing to pick up
1: no it's not exactly and i don't want like i make like i mentioned earlier i don't want anyone to think oh we're all talking about airbrushes. is always going to be it's a technique i use but yeah, there are other ways of doing things definitely and if anyone is interested in, wants to start in you know, airbrushing, just fire fire us a message definitely. Um and it, I think, you know, you've both covered most of the most of the tips I'd say. I think the most important thing is that you follow a method that works for you and that, that doesn't drive you insane. So that most people wouldn't do what I do when doing massive large batches or what or Dan or what does because that is the almost the opposite of what you'll be told um or would be giving as good advice on how to paint a large army. Most people say break it down into small chunks. But answer i suppose is do which you which motivates you the most if doing it in small batches means you'll get them done if looking at a big pile of models turns you off then don't do it as a big pile of models um find what works for you if you really really don't like painting then you don't enjoy it you want to get something on the table as quick as possible then you know use the techniques that you can to make it quick so contrast for example um limited paint palette colour schemes coloured sprays all those things use the tools that you that are out there to speed up your painting and just get something on the table um, if you really enjoy your painting then uh keep learning and keep pushing and keep trying right so we're going to uh, that was quite a long section actually a lot longer than i thought it might be so we'll take a little break and we'll come down and we'll close the show out. <laughs> And we're back again. Thank you for sticking around and listening to us rabble on for a very long time about army painting there. So we're here just to say goodbye, really, and uh, give a few shout-outs and that kind of stuff. First off we forgot our competition. So we set a competition just before Christmas um, and uh, we, we had a couple of entries but we not really, really pushed it or reminded anyone. So we are going to keep it going for one episode longer. Um, we will announce the winner on the next show which will be a couple of weeks' time after this has gone out. So, um, Sam, can you just remind everyone what they can win and what they need to do to win it?
2: Uh, so the prize is uh, an unopened uh, original uh, King Theoden on horse and King Theoden on foot the old uh, metal versions of him not the new plastic one uh, and basically we just wanted to hear your Hobbit character that you've designed uh, and obviously the, the better the punny name the the more chance you have of winning really I think that's everything I believe
1: I think so, It sounds about right, so fantastic so yeah, get your um, get your answers in. You can comment on the the show release post, or send us a message or an email, etc. I'll give I'll give a list of the social media and stuff in a moment. Um, Sam, do you have anything else to say before we before we close? Out, anything you wanted to say?
2: Yeah, uh, no, just the usual. Thank you very much, everyone, for your continued support. Cool, cool. So Dan, all about yourself.
3: Yeah, echoing what Sam said, um, all of the kind words, and also more importantly, the feedback people have been uh giving much appreciated uh so yeah please bear with us uh, if this episode doesn't manage to put you off with the rambling then uh, hopefully we'll see you next time and uh usual shout outs to the legion of Peaceful war gamers and uh also uh instagram uh, fortunate son of forest
1: fantastic right yeah but we've had um we've had a lot of support um since we've been going it's all going quite swimmingly at the moment so thank you for everyone who's listening so far um if you do like our show please um tell your friends so to speak let other people know that we're we're here and even though we don't know what we're talking about half the time um we're still talking about hobbits and uh, everything lovely and Lord of the rings related um Please, um, you know, engage with us on our social media if you're in, in that way inclined. So check out our Facebook page. A like will be very much appreciated. Um, we've got a Facebook group as well. Um, if you uh, find the Facebook page, just search out in the frying pan. You will. There's a big link at the top of the uh, the page saying um, join the connected group. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at ootfp podcast. And on Twitter at OOTFP. And if you want to just email us directly, you can email us at OOTFP at gmail.com. Saying all of that was reminded me of something that I didn't mention um after we came back off our first break. So our our sponsors um and my local store, Incon Gaming, in Cheltenham, um they uh, have set up a discount code for listeners, um, where you can get an extra five per cent on top of the, the regular sort of Friendly local gaming store discounts that you get, um, and that goes on top of the I believe the pre-order discounts you get as well. So, um, where there when you go to check out, there's a little box you can put in your discount code, and it's OOTFP. Um, so you pop that in, you will get an extra five percent off. Anyone has any issues, let me know, and I'll get back to the store owner and tell him it's, whether it's <laughs> working or not. But it should be set it up today. So thank you very much for listening and don't forget to get your entries in to win that model and we will catch you soon